Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is the other thing I do. And this is also the second half of this week's William Peter Blatty doubleheader. And my guest for The Exorcist 3 is Matt Bronger, a comic and actor you might have seen on Mad TV or Up All Night, or most recently as the cranky Dr. Samberly on Marvel's Agent Carter, which, so cool. His 2011 Shovel Fighter is streaming on Howl FM, his 2015 special Big Dumb Animal is streaming on Netflix, and he has a fun podcast of his own on Feral Audio, Ding Donger with Matt Bronger. It's just fun to say. The Exorcist 3 is Blatty's 1990 adaptation of his 1983 novel Legion, which finds the world-weary Lieutenant Kinderman, who we first met in The Exorcist, confounded by a new wave of brutal murderers that bear the signature of an old serial killer, the Gemini. This would be easy to solve, in fact, I just solved it, except that the Gemini has been dead for more than a decade and Kinderman's investigation will lead him into a darkness that's both metaphorical and literal and force him to confront an ancient evil, while an enigmatic priest, played by Nicole Williamson, heads towards a confrontation of his own. I should warn you that the sound quality in this segment is less than optimal. We recorded it in a green room between sets earlier this year, and it was noisy there. I've done what I can to smooth it out, and it does settle down after a bit. And more importantly, most importantly, Matt has some really interesting insights into The Exorcist 3 that makes the effort worth the effort. This is someone else's movie. Uh, it's one of those movies that I remember even when I saw it was not only like heartrendingly terrifying, uh, also really funny in parts. Yeah. And I, I really like movies that um, have that that have that intelligence and have that thrill. And it's one of those movies I, I don't I don't know why people don't talk about more. Yeah, you know? it kind of slipped through the cracks, didn't it? it like did. I remember being really impressed in 1990 and then yeah. finding out that nobody but my friends and me had seen it. Exactly. It didn't go anywhere. And like George C. Scott is one of those guys who was like, to me, like a national treasure. <laughs> like a maid. Like you see him in, in The Hustler. He's such a demon in that movie. And uh, he's just such a good bad guy. But then to him, you know, he, and he, has these, he makes these really weird choices in the movie, which I, I really like when an actor just kind of goes out on a limb. You know, we have that, that scene where the guys are like, well, how do you know it's the Gemini back again? And he just, will you shut your mouth? <laughs> and he says it the weirdest time. And he's like, oof. And it's that moment of, oh, I lost it. I lost it. I lost uh, lost everything for a second. He was missing the finger from this hand. You know, there's that, that, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Then it goes into why he's so angry. Yeah. I just think it's, you know, not a masterpiece, but in terms of horror, it's such a good movie to me. Yeah. You know? It's... I wonder if maybe part of it is that just... Well, actually, more importantly, when did you first see it? Did you see it theatrically? I saw it in the theaters. Yeah, I was in high school. And uh, I remember... There's a time where we... I, I, I grew up... The first books I read were horror books. I think uh, one of the first, quote-unquote, real books I actually read was The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. That wasn't uh, young adult fiction or anything like that. Um, there were old uh, enough that there was no young adult. There was Bridge to Terabithia, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we, and, and I, so I've always been a scary, a fan of scary things, always. Um, but we, I remember seeing like like Misery with a bunch of friends in, in high school, and, and uh, I, I don't remember who I saw Exorcist Three with, but it was one of those things where, you know, I think it's probably because of timing where no one really cared so much about it. Now we look at the Exorcist as like this massive. Uh, uh, masterpiece, which it is, mm. but I feel like at that time everyone had just kind of forgotten it. Yeah, it know? was well, it was before that restoration, before the right, right before it was reclaimed. Yes, and uh, yeah, yeah. it was one of the first widescreen DVDs, and that was a big deal. Right, but with 
Yeah, I think the problem was at the time, like Exorcist 2 had taken the wind out of its sails so much. Right. And there was just, there was no appetite for it. And right. I think, too, horror had gone in that other direction with slasher movies and, and like we yes. drifted away. For sure. And then Blatty wrote Legion. And yeah. that was a, like that was the thing that said, oh, yeah, there's still life in the property. I, right. I, I remember reading the book long before the film was made mm-hmm. and just thinking, this is genuinely unsettling in a completely different way. Yeah, for sure. And like I, I think a lot of it is kind of like my my latent Catholic uh, guilt. You know, <laughs> okay. like well, I'm, I'm long since lapsed from the church, but my parents are still involved. But they're also, you know, they're kind of like progressive Catholics. But I remember, I remember finding out about... The, the idea of hell and the idea of the devil when you're young you're like what the this is really messed up this is a real thing so you had those things I I loved the omen Mm -hmm. I literally I think checked my scalp for the 666 (laughs) because I'm an only child and very selfish and you know um, sure you never know wished harm upon my enemies all that jazz but like I really liked those movies uh, that that would would have like the devil as the the ultimate villain and it's it, it is an innate medieval silliness even back beyond before of having you know the evil one that's kind of like that there's one figure doing that which I guess that brings the question maybe the same thing's true of God but having this guy who you know it was it, it was I, I mean I, I, I liked that they it's almost like um, the HP Lovecraft mythos where for this movie where he's kind of like when I met the old cruel ones and you're like oh there's something else it's not just you know Mephistopheles you have these other guys and they're not they don't all have horns they're not all like sitting in hell or whatnot. they're kind of uh, you know basically uh, I can cut through yeah yeah okay they're kind of like it, it's just there are, there are dimensions to evil that this guy a serial killer is is is, is drawing from yeah. you know and it is a a weird perspective changer too in that in The Exorcist the devil is sort of dainty, and it may not be the devil. That, you know, <laughs> yeah. he refuses to acknowledge what he is. What mm-hmm. it is, it's, and then we find out in the second movie that it's Pazuzu, which is a silly name. Yeah. And then with the third one, you just go right back to the idea that there is a larger playing field. That yeah. was the thing that really that that was the thing that got to me about The Exorcist is that it's you know like it's shot like a documentary. It feels real. It feels raw, and it's all about a mother trying to save her kid. And the kid rebelling, and you could, you know, like Stephen King has this whole thing in Dance Macabre about how you can read it as rebellion in the yes. 60s and 70s coming mm-hmm. back to bite itself on the ass. But what you get in Legion is this pristine, thoughtful, serious cinema right. where everything is insane and there are levels that we can't conceive, and it's like this MC Escher mindscape with people running on ceilings. Like, it just yes. try to explain it to somebody and you will be committed. It doesn't yeah. make sense, which is what's so unnerving. Yeah, well, it's like, that's the thing. It's like the, 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 the devil is like supposed to be the father of lies, and so it's supposed to be just everything's confusing, you don't know where you stand, which is, goes back to like. The, the, the most vivid portrayal of hell I ever read was the idea that is all it is is the absence of God. Yeah. Where you don't have any root and you're just kind of adrift, which is horrifying. Mm-hmm. You know? That's the... Yeah, that's like the most... Pro- shoot, I'm thinking about the end of the rapture. You know, yeah. where, you're, where you're denied God's love. Uh-huh. And that is bad. Right. And you can see him, mm-hmm. but he won't see you. Yeah, exactly. And it's... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, we're cutting around some stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the um, the tension of Legion is not... like what, what fascinates me about the book and the movie in The Exorcist 3 is that it is not about 
whether evil is real. Right. People are dying left and right in sure. horrible ways. Evil is very present. Uh-huh. It's about how and why, and then the mystery of patient X. And, right. And everything else that's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that actor was that who played Patient X was just incredible. Brad Dourif. Yeah. The guy. Yeah, he's so good. And, uh, and you know, we, he just sings like a... Like, uh, a choir boy at one point, and it's kind of like, and it's the thing when you when you, I I I, I remember I, I go to therapy and I and I I ask my therapist quite frank quite blank I'm like am I a narcissist? And he's like no he's like if you if you a clinical narcissist if you look in their eyes it's terrifying because there's nothing there, and uh, you know I've read about uh, therapists or psychologists talking with someone who is you know a, a full on. Um, uh, sociopath or psychopath mm-hmm. and when you kind of go I see you like I know what you're doing I know you're, they flip, that's, that's when they attack you okay. and so that's when the guards grab them and stuff where it's this thing of like as long as they keep up the facade and you see that in the, in the movie where it's kind of like I love to talk I love to pe- I love to have people listen to me kind of thing uh, but it like he did such a great job with that yeah. where it's like like where does that go where does that psychosis kind of uh, go and 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 what is uh, a person who is a tool? Because he's obviously like, well, this is what I am. This is what I enjoy. I love inflicting pain and I love killing people. So uh, I'm going to be a monkey wrench for this other this, thing, this bigger yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. you know, which is horrifying, <laughs> you know. And I really hope it's not real. Uh, I don't think it is. I don't think the 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 universe has that kind of. Uh, literature that we try to give it. <laughs> yeah. You know, us as, as human beings, we, we often try to be like, well, we figured it out and we're like, we're fucking ants. Yeah. We, it's all, all chaos and darkness. You know, that, that, yeah, it's, it's all chaos and darkness, but there is, there is order and chaos. There are patterns. But I feel like, it's almost like it's like if someone's, if you actually saw the face of God, you'd explode kind of thing. Right. I feel like that whoever came up with that was a genius because if we ever learned the secrets of the universe, we would, our, brain, our brains would explode. We're not equipped. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, that's the that's the flip side of Lovecraft, right? Like, you see the yes. other gods and you go insane. You, <laughs> can't, you can't conceive of it. Yeah. Um, and The Exorcist and Exorcist 3, alone in those films, in the properties, because mm-hmm. 2 and 4 and 4B or whatever you want to call it, yeah. they made two of those. Yeah. Uh, they, igno- they don't acknowledge the things that the bloody scripted films acknowledge, which is that the only reason we are privy to any of this is because something is trying to make us stop believing yeah. Like, because that's what it wants. It mm-hmm. wants us to stop believing in God. Sure. And that's why I can't believe in this abbreviated episode we have to jump into the uh, the director's cut versus the producer's cut. Yeah. Like, the, the, the final theatrical release has an exorcism, and the director's cut recently released, recovered and released on Blu-ray doesn't. Wow. That's the big difference, because apparently Morgan Creek Productions, having made Legion said, oh, no, it's called The Exorcist 3 now. It has to have an exorcism. So they added the Nicole Williamson character, Father Morning, and they have an exorcism in the end. But that gets us to the speech that George C. Scott gives, I I believe in you, which means God's real, too. Yeah. Which is, like, the core of everything Blatty has ever worked for. I I find it absolutely fascinating Mm -hmm. that he was forced into writing that. That's amazing. Because it was all just supposed to be subtext. Sure. No, it has to be engaged with and of course it does because yes. 
with horror, right? Like you can have subtext, but then you still have to have the payoff. Yeah. And that exorcism sequence, while ultimately, yes, it's meaningless within the concept of the larger film about right. the psychological debate, the, the, the ethical debate within Kinderman, we need to have that speech. Yes. And it's fascinating mm-hmm. to me. I mean, um, to find out that that wasn't part of the original plan. Right. I just assumed when I saw the movie, it's like, oh, well, he figured out he had to make it more cinematic somehow because the ending of the book is quieter. And the ending of the director's cut, similarly, is yeah. just a yelling match. Okay. Uh, and this is, oh, no, I see. Like, you have to be shown the devil to understand that if the devil exists, then he must have been, like, the Lucifer stuff is all true. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God is real. I've, I've always been fascinated by that conflict in movies where... You know, a friend of mine refuses to accept movies like The Exorcist or The Prophecy or Constantine because sure. they involve mytholo- like canon religious mythology. Yeah, and he he doesn't believe at all. And sure. he's like, "Well, I can't accept it. That's all silly. It's not real." And it's like, "Okay, but it's real in the movie." Like, you know, that's that's exactly how I feel. Like, I don't. I, I I really bristle when people like. I really would. This will probably never happen in our lifetimes, but I would love it if someone cre- did the same thing from a Muslim perspective or a, a strictly Orthodox Jewish perspective mm-hmm. or uh, Buddhist, like whatever their demon would be right. and be like, but, you know, uh, their deity, uh, uh, their higher power kind of has to combat it or the people that, you know, and just because I know people would lose their minds <laughs> because it's this thing where in the cinematic world, in the Western world, we're like, well, yeah, but, 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 but come on, we, we all know Jesus is God. And it's kind of like, all right, take it easy. <laughs> like, I just feel like God has many names. You might not believe in God, and we don't even know. Who knows? God might not, might not exist. But yeah, you're right. It exists in the film. I just would love many more perspectives. Right. Many more of these kind of... Because I, I think they're fun. When, I mean, what, uh, how, how do you make, a, how do you make a, a plot better? Raise the stakes. And there are no higher stakes. That's true. You know, yeah. than, than the Almighty. There is a Jewish horror movie, fairly recently one, uh, too, uh, called The Unborn, which nobody remembers because it was mm. terrible. Okay. But it has Gary Oldman as a priest. No, Gary Oldman as a rabbi and Idris Elba as a priest, I want to say. Okay. Fighting, like conducting an exorcism at the end of this movie over the body of uh, Odette Justman okay. from Cloverfield, yes. uh, who has, is about to give birth to a monster. And the monster, it's a Dybbuk story. Oh, yeah, sure, a Dybbuk. But they call it Jumbi. And you're just like, no, that's stupid. No. There there is no monster called Jumbi. Jumbi's not scary. And they keep saying Jumbi wants to be born. It's like, nope, stupid. Not scared of you. Yeah, Jumbi. (laughs) There's a a book I read called the, 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 I think it's called The Genie and the Gollum. Mm -hmm. That is a a kind of industrial age America. And a a genie uh, from the Middle East is basically transported he gets, you know, tricked into the, the into his, his valise or whatever. He gets transported and gets out a being of pure fire. And then um, a guy goes to, uh, at the same time, uh, a rabbi who dabbles in the dark arts who makes him a wife, makes him a golem. Okay. And on the, on the steamship, this guy dies. And so the golem comes to life out of her box and has no master, has nothing. And is basically a, a being that is, uh, uh, you know, of human form, but has immense physical power. So you basically have almost um, Colossus from X-Men, but female, and this guy who can make things go catch fire, like, right away and stuff. And they kind of find each other as these strange beings. It's a really good book. And I was like, oh, this, this should be a cool movie. 
you know, yeah, of, I watch that because it's, it's the immigrant story times ten. <laughs> like, yeah, with superpowers, right? And exactly, dest- and destructive power. Mm-hmm. Yes. That sounds fascinating. Yes. Uh, before we run out of time, which is going to be any minute now, yes. um, two things. I have to ask about the big scare scene, which oh, is God, yeah. the thing that no one can talk about because oh, it's, it's almost incomprehensible. It's constricting. Yeah. yeah. What is it, like a three-minute take that just ends with a 20-second punchline of sheer yeah. terror? How do they play in your room? Because my room, basically, I think somebody passed out. Oh, yeah, I lost mine. I was... I, I, I felt my heart seize up. Like, it, it, I mean, the fact that it, it not only you just see this hallway the whole time and then... It cuts to the, not, and then and the, the the attacker has a sheet over yeah. their face. The most disturbing thing, right? When you can't see, they the can't face. even see, and they're just striding. They're like shot out of a cannon, yeah. but slowly, while this woman is facing the other way, and you've already heard, they've already set up the thing of the surgical thing that like can cut any bone in half, like right, like that. Yeah, I, that that is that is to me to me the most terrifying moment in film. I think the the, the most like. Uh, the biggest like start like ah yeah you know. it's up there I mean I every time I watch it I forget the timing mm-hmm. and so because I can't remember it's like the rape gag it, yeah it gets less scary and then scarier again <laughs> yeah because I know it's still I like I've seen the movie I know it's coming and mm-hmm. I can't remember the structure of it and it's like why what what's ha- why is it oh it's now no it's not oh shit so is it ah! and then it just uh-huh. like it just it takes so long yeah I've seen it a couple times the control yeah to do that. Yeah, because she looks in the room. She checks it. <laughs> Nobody in there. You know. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like that's that's the the, the, the simplest uh, horror uh, uh, moments that make you jump are the moments where like, oh, they were just they 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 were under a table the whole time. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you looked and you felt safe, and you were not safe at all. Yeah. yeah. It's the. It's the. Just the, the fact that Blatty had only made one other movie as a director, right. and that he came up with that, or that someone helped him and he let him, he let the idea happen. Yeah. However, it matter, like it doesn't matter. However, it happened. It's just, it's ingenious and terrifying. And twenty seven years later, pants shittingly effective. Yes. Like, it's really great. Yeah. If you well have played. not seen The Exorcist three. You still won't be prepared for this, even though nah. we just talked about it. I didn't want to explain too much. But yeah, it's yeah. like you won't see it coming. It's the thing. Go look it up on YouTube. It won't help you. Nope. it's still there. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, yes, uh, because we only, we only have so much time. The final question, always the same on the podcast, which is that have have you stolen, lifted, borrowed? Is there anything of The Exorcist three that's made it into your creative DNA as a performer? Oh, uh, interesting. Um, yeah, be, just just anything I've written in a, in a, in a script. Um, most of the stuff I write is kind of funny, but I find, and you know, I will say like some of the the, the uh, stories I tell, the vignettes or whatnot, much more storytelling based comedian. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are just are scary. A lot of them are funny now because they were terrifying then. Right. The, the, the most downloaded joke I have is called, uh, um, uh, I think, The Ghost of the Two-Man Party, where uh, myself and, and a friend got drunk together and did not know a homeless uh, girl was just living, were staying in the house, and we thought it was a ghost. Yes. And we it's, went on, to that. Uh, it's on Shovelfire. It's on Shovelfire, yeah. And that's because that is, that's one of those things where you go, oh, okay, it's people... People love it because it is it. It's horrifying, and it's one of those things you still think back and you go, "Oh God, there was a human being in the house we didn't know that was there the whole time." You know, I feel like there's 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 
It's funny if you make it out. <laughs> yeah. if, you're, if you're safe, you know. Yeah, if you yeah. defeat the demon. Mm-hmm. Yes. My thanks to Matt Bronger, who has his own podcast, Ding Donger with Matt Bronger. See, it is fun to say. Over on Feral Audio. You can also find his special Big Dumb Animal streaming on Netflix and his album Shovel Fighter streaming on Howl FM. You can also find his tour dates at mattbronger.com, which you should definitely do because he is an absolutely phenomenal stand-up. You can find Matt on Twitter at Bronger, and you can find The Exorcist 3 on DVD and Blu-ray from Warner Home Entertainment and in that Blu-ray special edition I mentioned from Scream Factory. The theatrical cut is also available for sale and rental on iTunes and Google Play, but only in the U.S., though it is also streaming on Shudder. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, don't forget to go back and listen to Adam Barkin's episode on the Ninth Configuration, the other half of this week's Blatty Double Bill. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, that would be very kind of you. Uh, the power of Christ... Oh, you know. Thanks for listening. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud.